Thinner Logs is a Chicago-based sketch group that writes comedy grounded in shared true, personal stories about our existence as lifelong nerds. We started your stories to give everyone a chance to do what we do, share their own stories, and foster a more heartfelt, welcoming nerd community. Your Stories is about embracing the weird and obscure in your life and asserting your geekdom with a group that gets your references. And, most importantly, Your Stories is a place to bring people up, not to put anyone down. Hey everyone, my name is Eric Garneau, and this is part one of the Nerdalogs Presents Your Stories April 2014 podcast, featuring the theme Scarred. This time out, we're joined by the awesome ladies of the Chicago Outfit Roller Derby, as well as Nerdalogs members and other friends both new and old. This episode features tales from Mary Beth Smith, Electra Fi, James D'Amato, and Nora Seidman, plus music from me, Dwight Hassler, and Claire Friedman, as usual. So if you like listening to the show, you should come to the next one. We're recording our next episode this Sunday, April 20th, 7 p.m. at the Public House Theater, 3914 North Clark Street in Chicago. The theme of the night is The Truth, parentheses, is out there. And appropriately, we will be featuring the folks from Improvised X-Files. This is going to be a really fun time, and it is always free to attend, so please come out and enjoy it. And finally, just a quick plug for our other podcasts, including the Nerdalogcast, MBSing with Mary Beth Smith, and talking games with Tim and Clayton. Guys, that is so much entertainment coming at you every week. Uh, you can find them all on our website at www.nerdalogs.com. Of course, they are all free. They are all hilarious, so please enjoy them. But for now, enjoy this first. One, two, three, four... Nothing else matters. 
Ever since I was five years old, uh, I participated from when I was five until I was 18 in the uh, summer production at the Community Playhouse of Lancaster County in Lancaster, South Carolina. Uh, it's a really small town. Less than like 10,000 people lived in the city itself. Uh, so the Community Playhouse was this little fraction of the town that my family was a part of for Basically, my whole life. Uh, my dad still performs and plays there. It's awesome. He played Big Daddy in um, uh, Cat on a Hot Tin Roof last year. It was so great. He's the best. Um, <laughs> he's played Fagin twice. That is awesome. Uh, anyway, but one of my dad's other favorite roles was uh, Captain Hook in Peter Pan. And uh, I auditioned with my dad, which was so unique. Usually it was just the kids uh, for the summer shows. And my dad took me to the audition and auditioned with me that year. Uh, and we both got cast. Um, and uh, just like in the spirit of Mary Martin, uh, I did not get cast as Peter Pan, but I was cast as a lost boy um, for mostly the reason that, that uh, two of the lost boys are twins and there were two short round-faced, red-haired girls. <laughs> so myself and uh, another girl named Julia, who was, I think, five years my younger, but about my height, uh, uh, both got cast and had to buy, like, newsboy caps to put our ponytails up in and uh, play against, you know, um, adults as all the pirates and it was just this really grand thing and one of the biggest uh, productions I had been a part of there thus far uh, and one of, a part of that was getting pulleys to make sure that Peter and Wendy and uh, the other darling children um, could fly and uh, I happened to be with my dad as they were trying to produce the pulleys and was the only kid there and they let me try them first uh, so I uh, hopped into a harness that was entirely too big for me um, not really sure why someone didn't really call this whole thing off but uh, we didn't go too far off the ground they pulled me up and it was pretty awesome uh, and I was the first one to get to try it out um, so we get back on the ground. All the adults are pretty happy that this uh, silly thing that they've gotten themselves into seems like it may pay off. And uh, I tripped getting out of the harness. 
which has more uh, metaphorical significance than most other things in my life. Uh, I, not the flying part, but just landing and trying to get out uh, is what actually injured me. And I have just the smallest scar on my elbow from it. And uh, as I'm a fairly cautious person in general, it's one of the only scars I really have, and certainly the largest. Uh, and I think it's just fraught with... With irony, essentially. <laughs> I, I got it uh, from flying um, imaginarily uh, in a spot that it wasn't supposed to be mine. Um, so it always kind of, uh, in a silly way, reminds me that uh, it's okay to take the leap, but uh, watch yourself on the landing. <laughs> Thanks. Mary Beth Smith. I'm sad that you can't fly, Mary Beth. Nice. Maybe, maybe one day, just get back on that horse. All right. Get back in the air. Yeah, the air horse, Pegasus, <laughs> flying Pegasus. All right. So I mentioned that we have some special guests from the Chicago Outfit Roller Derby in the house. That is super sweet. Uh, they are uh, the premier uh, roller derby outfit in Chicago. Um, they are the only all touring uh, roller derby uh, outfit in Chicago, which is fantastic. We have two of the members here to share tales with us tonight. We also have some info on their upcoming events for you later, which we will share. But for now, can we please get Electra Fry on the stage? It's Fi, in case you were all wondering. Not that oh, I was ever part of the oh, Greek system. Sorry, yeah, I wrote it down right. I said it wrong. We're not going to hold it against you, don't worry. And I'm going to ask you all to bear with me, because as I look out onto all your faces, I'm remembering why I didn't become a theater major in college. <laughs> and actually, we agreed to do this kind of as we were getting piecemeal information from Badger to the Bone, who is our marketing director. And yes, the names get better from here on out. Um, who originally asked us if we wanted to do a podcast, which I thought would just be me going to a radio studio as before, shilling that that we have an upcoming fundraiser where roller derby girls will wrestle each other in spaghetti uh, on April 5th at the Double Door. Pre-sale tickets are $7 and they're $10 at the door in case you were wondering. And then more information started to trickle in and I was told that actually we'd be speaking in front of a group of people, which is when I proceeded to get the shakes. And then I was told we were going to be speaking about scars, which is when I was started to wonder, am I supposed to stand up here, roll up my pants, and show you guys how to connect the dots with the marks on my ankles? Um, or show you the scar underneath my left eyebrow which taught everybody the importance of helmet wearing <laughs> or show you the lovely line that runs from my belly button to my collarbone which is the prime example of why you should never volunteer to be the first to demonstrate slip and slide even when you're eight years old <laughs> um, but the more I started to think about it the more I started to realize that scars sometimes aren't as literal as the word would have you believe and so I wanted to talk to you maybe about the side of roller derby that a lot of people don't get to see, which is the emotional side. So I apologize, apologize if I get a little deep on you guys here, but it's, unless you're involved in the sport, it's an area that a lot of people aren't really familiar with. There is a popular colloquialism in the derby community that you see in everything from printed merchandise to bumper stickers to the derby blogosphere. And it's a phrase, roller derby saved my soul. And it's cute and it's good for marketing and a lot of people take it at just that. But when you start to talk to the skaters, which over the past two years I have talked to hundreds, not just in my league, but in the leagues we play across the state of Illinois and across the country, you start to realize that that sentiment really runs true to a lot of skaters. Um, a girl in my last league once told me that she believes 
you don't find roller derby. Roller derby finds you. And the more I think about it, the more it really rings true because people seem to come to derby at the time when it is most necessary in their lives and at the time when a lot of them are their lowest. And so when you ask people, how did you get involved in the sport, a lot of them will tell you that it came after the divorce or after the breakup, that it came after their father was diagnosed or after they were forced to move across the country, that it came after the baby that they weren't expecting or after they lost the baby that they were really trying for. And in a couple cases, a lot of it came after the diagnosis or after the loss of a breast. So as you talk to the humans behind these ridiculous and occasionally vulgar names, you start to realize that there is something about roller derby that when you are at your lowest point, this sport that seems unobtainable and violent and scary suddenly seems like something you have to do in order to prove to yourself, in some cases, that you're even still breathing. So I started to think about my own journey to the sport itself, and I found roller derby after moving across the state of Illinois. And for the first time, I was living in a strange city by myself. Um, no friends, no family in the areas. And as someone who's grown up in the Chicagoland area for all her life and has a huge network here, for the first time, I was actually swinging without a net, if you will. And it absolutely terrified me. I was working at a job in a very niche field in which I had no experience and in which I was pretty much desperate to accept. And up until that point in time, roller derby just seemed like something that Ellen Page did in a cute skirt and a movie that didn't generate as much people had hoped at the box office. So, <laughs> But I saw a flyer posted for it one day at my office, and all of a sudden, after weeks of sitting at home on Saturdays and Sunday nights with nothing better to do in a small town, it seemed like what the hell became something I had to try. And people have asked me in the past what my favorite thing about roller derby is. And as cliche as it sounds, my usual response is that the minute you put on your skates, you have 20 new best friends. Mm -hmm. And it's exaggerating, but only slightly, just because the girls who see you get out on that track, and I mean the minute you wobble out there in your rental skates and fall promptly on your butt because it's what we all do, <laughs> they have an understanding about the reasons that you're there because every one of them has fought that own personal battle that drew them to the sport itself. So I suppose the moral of the story is is that despite the stereotypes you see, despite the idea from the 70s that it's all bare-knuckle boxing on skates or that it's wrestling where it's scripted and someone always goes over the rail in the second half, <laughs> the way modern roller derby has evolved is that it's much more than just an athletic endeavor. The women you see out there are a lot of times, as they bruise their bodies, learning to heal themselves. And so the moral of the story is that sometimes it's the scars you don't see that matter a lot more than the ones you do. Thank you so much, Electra Fi, which is what I should have said the first time. I, I actually, uh, I, I totally uh, feel for that. I actually uh, started working with the Nerdalogs after a kind of a breakup of my own. So yeah, I mean, it's nice to have an organization that embraces you. So yeah, um, awesome. Thank you so much for sharing. All right, guys. Our next speaker came last month with the group Peaches and Hot Sauce. They were a wonderful group of people to have here. And he's come back for more because I guess he liked us the first time. So, James D'Amato, thank you very much. Come on. I hope you're ready for another heavy one. Um, so, two months ago, I paid $1,200 for a table. 
Now, a lot of you are probably thinking that is crazy to spend $1,200 on a table. Don't worry, that was the deposit. The table is $4,000. Um, the Geek Chic Emissary comes in your choice of cherry, maple, or walnut. It is totally bespoke, and it's customized to your nerdy lifestyle. I know many people have drooled over that on the internet. Uh, this is the Lamborghini of gaming tables. Uh, if you play Dungeons and Dragons on this thing, the dragon will actually hop out of the game and pour you a scotch. Um, but, and you know, as much as I wish, I am not the type of person who can just, you know, spend $4,000 on a table. Uh, I don't have that money. It took years and years of careful saving and, you know, not spending too much to earn that. Uh, but that's why I'm surprised to be standing in front of you as the owner of a Geek Chic Emissary, uh, or future owner, because that money was supposed to be an engagement ring. Yeah, there's the theme. This is not a story about fancy tables. Uh, I apologize to all the fans of fancy tables in the audience. Um, so I, I didn't always play uh, role-playing games. Uh, I, I own a I, I run a podcast called One Shot, which is all about one, uh, role-playing games, and it's actually kind of my career path now. Um, but, you know, I wasn't a fan of these games my entire life. I actually got into them in college for one reason, and her name is Kat Murphy. Um, and uh, Kat is one of the most beautiful people that I have ever seen in my life. And I was instantly attracted to her. And she was signing up for the newbie game uh, of D&D when, you know, our freshman year in college. So I had begged my friend to drop his spot so that I could get in on that game. <laughs> um, and, you know, after a couple of months of talking about, you know, dumb games and superheroes and cartoons, she accidentally became the best friend that I have ever had. Um, and this wasn't a best friendship as I'm used to thinking of it. Sure, we both like cartoons and Magic the Gathering, but it was more than that. Uh, before Cat, I have never been closer to another human being. Um, everything that I loved about my past was reaffirmed by her, and everything I discovered that I loved, I shared with her. Um, and the proudest work, the work that I'm proudest of in my life, uh, was a collaboration of with her. So uh, we were tied closer together than I have ever been tied to another person uh, in the world. And that friendship was so important to us, so fundamental to who we had become as people that we were both terrified at the thought of losing it, obviously because we were afraid of falling in love. Um, like any good opposite gender friends, we would laugh off the idea when people brought it up to us, but it sort of hung in the air like a guillotine. A relationship between us was a real possibility, and it would have real consequences. Uh, if things failed, we risked damaging that friendship that was so important to us. And almost as terrifying, if things succeeded, that would probably be it. We would be in our 20s and dating the person that we were going to marry. So like any responsible adults in that situation, we ignored it as much as possible. <laughs> And that did not work. Our senior year, we kissed, and then we moved to Chicago together after we graduated. Um, 
Now, if anybody here is thinking about moving in with their significant other, um, especially in light of the personal tragedy that is obviously coming at the end of the story, <laughs> my advice is this. Stop worrying and do it. Uh, because like living with your significant other and the person that you love is the best. Uh, every night is like the greatest sleepover that you've ever been to. And honestly, I wish I had more mature terms to put that in. But I am a grown man who watches cartoons every day. So I am working with limited resources here. While we lived together, Kat and I dreamt up some of the best ideas either of us have ever had. And during the day, we were just like everyone else our age. We were working jobs we hated to get by on very little. But at home, at night, we were geniuses. We were artists creating the kind of worlds that I wanted to see and writing the kind of stories that I wanted to read. I wanted that feeling and that person forever. Uh, but uh, one day I came home and she was sad. And like every other time when she was sad, I asked her to tell me what was wrong. And I told her that we she would feel better when she told me. And I told her that we could handle it together. But this time the problem wasn't work or money or family. It was us. And uh, heartbreak sucks. But uh, the biggest thing that we were both worried about was losing that friendship. Um, and then I forgot what I was supposed to say. We, are to- we totally ignored conventional wisdom, and we fought to stay friends. We even helped each other look for apartments after we broke up. Uh, we stayed in the same game of D&D, and we talked basically every day. And it hurt so bad to be so close to her and not be with her but together we saved that friendship and as things normalized i held out a little hope that maybe she just needed time to grow and that maybe we both needed time to grow and we could still be together someday but then john came along And in addition to possessing innumerable physical and character flaws, the apex of which is that he is wrong about Batman. (laughs) John is actually a kind and wonderful person who loves my best friend very much. Um, And this on Christmas Eve this year, when I got a call from Kat... I knew what was happening when the phone rang. Uh, once, after a week without contact, Kat and I called each other to have a conversation about a new idea for a Zelda game we had thought up. And despite being separated by time and distance, we had the same idea at the same time. It was very exciting, and this call was exactly like that, except she said, I'm engaged. Um, and in that moment, all my hopes and illusions fell apart. The romantic portion of our lives together was over, really over. And what I thought was the answer turned out to be not the answer. I cannot spend every day with my best friend. One day, maybe one day soon, our lives will change and go in very different directions. She could move. I could move. We might go days or weeks or even months without speaking. And if I want love, if I want a partner, a family, I need to start over with someone else. Somehow, I have to find that powerful, amazing connection with another person. 
And when I was contemplating the possibility of dying alone, she said to me, will you be my maid of honor? And I realized that all those feelings of loss and loneliness, as bad as they are, are only temporary. Despite the significance of that moment and the profound pain that I was experiencing, I was not dead. Years from now, when I look back on this time, I'm going to remember being there for the most important friend that I have ever had. Pain is fleeting. But the joy that you get from the people who are truly and deeply important to you, that's going to last you until you die. So I took the money that was going to start our lives together, and I bought a table. Because I am actually really bad with money. (laughs) But... Like our friendship, that table is unique and precious. It will be the foundation of countless imaginary worlds. And if treated with respect and care, it will be with me for the rest of my life. And as scars go, that is not a bad one to have. Thank you. Thank you so much, James. Man, so many feelings. So many. No, seriously, that was wonderful. Thank you very much for sharing. Guys, we're going to do one more story, then we're going to take a short intermission. Uh, dear friend of the Nerdalogs, Miss Nora Seidman. Yeah! So, um, I don't engage in physical activity, so I don't have physical scars. <laughs> um, so this is another emotional one. So, as a child... Um, I was probably the biggest puss alive. I was afraid of loud noises to the point of uh, dreading the 4th of July, where I would hide under the blanket <laughs> that we went to see. Um, my father, who was a giant White Sox fan, uh, would take us to games, and when they score a home run, fireworks go off there, and I would cry every time. <laughs> and, um, let's see, I didn't go on my first roller coaster until I was 12. And what else? This is great. <laughs> and um, I used to really love the TV show, Are You Afraid of the Dark? And I was probably like a preteen at this point. And uh, the way our house was set up, we had the TV room and then like an annex off the room, which is where the computer was. And it just had an open door frame, but no door. And... Um, since they weren't very subtle about, like, when the scary parts were coming, I would get up and, like, go watch from around the doorway so I could could really easily hide. (laughs) And um, this was all, like, terrible news to my mother, who loves, loves, loves classic horror movies. And when I was maybe 12 or 13, we were sitting at home, flipping through the channels, and uh, Psycho was on. And it was right at the uh, shower scene. And (laughs) I was like, open my mouth to protest. And my mother said, like, nope, we're watching this. Just try it. And we watched the scene. And I turned to her and I said, oh, that wasn't so bad. (laughs) And that was it. Like, that was it for my mother. And she decided that we were going to watch, like, all of her favorite movies, all of her favorite (laughs) classic horror movies together. And, um, so we watched the rest of Psycho, and she didn't tell me that the imagery at the end of the movie is, like, far scarier than the shower scene, so that was a big surprise. (laughs) And, um, like, the big ones in her life were Psycho, that was huge, 
Rosemary's Baby, which was, uh, which I was fine with, except that was like a really graphic rape scene to watch with your mother <laughs> when you're 12, but you know, it was okay. Um, and then we watched her favorite movie of all time, the original Halloween. And we watched this on, it was a Saturday night, like, started it kind of late, and I was fine, like, while the movie was going on. Probably hid my face behind a pillow, but, we're, but you know, I sat and watched the whole thing, and I was okay. And then it was over, my mother turned to me, and she said, Nora, do you know why that movie was so scary? <laughs> it's because no one even knew there was a killer out there until it was too late. <laughs> well, good night. See you in the morning. And send me off to bed. And I, and I did not sleep until 6 o'clock in the morning. Because <laughs> every time I closed my eyes, I just imagined the killer in his ski mask and giant knife standing over my bed silently. <laughs> and... um to this day, I still like point that out to my mother is like the worst, <laughs> like the worst thing she's ever done to me. <laughs> and uh, you know, in the grand scheme of things, not that bad of a scar to have. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you very much, Nora. So when we when we uh, put up the event. Kevin, uh, who is uh, Nerdalog's founder, said, I wonder if some people are going to think that the theme of this event was scared instead of scarred. Nora, you did both, so points for that. So not all artists kind of overcome their, their scars. Uh, hate to be dour about this next song. Um, just to tell a story I told Dwight on the ride up here, I had this CD in my car for five years. It, there was not a CD changer. There was one CD player. <laughs> uh, my brother had the guard for a while. He didn't use the CD player. But anyway, the day I took that CD out, she died. <gasps> that is true. Her fault. Her fault. No, it's probably no, the artist's fault. It's your fault. fault. <laughs> if we're being real, it's a coincidence. <laughs> But it's more fun to suspect mm-hmm. that it was Claire. <laughs> it is more fun. It is more fun. Anyway. One, two, three, four. They tried to make me go to rehab, and I said, no, no, no. Yes, I've been black, but when I come back, oh, no, no, no. I ain't got the time, and if my daddy thinks I'm Tried to make me go to rehab And I said, go, go, no I'd rather be at home with rain I ain't got 17 days Cause there's nothing, there's nothing you can teach me Yeah. 
Production. For more on the Nerdalogs and our shows, please go to www.nerdalogs.com. Thank you all. Thank you all. I am Grabbot23548X.